this sermon is a hot mess, I think is the phrase. I didn't, it didn't even make it to my computer. It's still on yellow paper. I'm pretty sure that there's some points I have back here that probably should be up here, but we got what we got, and that's what we're going to go with. As I mentioned earlier, just before I pray, I uh, had a, probably one of my most unpeaceful lack of peace weeks I've had in a long time. Being the only dean at Danville High School was crazy. I got to break up my own fight this week right outside my office. Bear hug. I wasn't in a fight. Break up my own fight. Oh, no, I, I wasn't fighting. I did have to step in between a teacher and a student who I thought that was going to turn into a fight in my office. We were dealing with sexual harassment possibilities with kids. Had uh, kids in my office crying this week. You name it, I faced it this week with children. There wasn't peace, it was chaos. That's what it was. So this sermon is a sermon I didn't know that I needed. Let me add one more element in there. So there's that piece. Let me give you another piece. This plays into my thoughts on what we're doing, right? We're doing Advent. What was last week? Hope. What is the topic for this week? Peace. When I was a child, yeah, when I was a child, I would get to Christmas break, especially those elementary years. And I want you to know that my mother created an atmosphere of peace. It may not have been peaceful for her, but that's how I experienced it. I would get onto Christmas break, and in my memories, it might be slightly off, but it was back when we used to have snow before Christmas. Remember those days? <laughs> you know, it'd be snowing outside. I would get up on those days. I wouldn't know what was going to happen. It just, you just never knew. There was usually some Christmas music playing. There would be an actual record player. Kids, those are these big round plastic things, right? The song I remember most distinctly is the Go Tell It on the Mountain. You probably remember that on there. I don't know what version it was. But the guy with a big boisterous voice was singing it. Go tell it on the... Right, I, mean, oh, just, I, I can remember sitting there. I remember sitting in the hall listening to that. I might, you know, go get a book from my room and... I mean, get some, can you picture this? Calm. Peace. My sister was in her room doing her thing. The other one wasn't here yet, wherever Ashley's at. She was, she was tiny. She'd read a book. My mom might come by and go, Matt, would you like to make some cookies with me? I'll be making cookies. And I could. Yeah, bake a pie. Eat some pie. Miraculously, lunch would just show up every once in a while. And it was always good. That was my childhood Christmas, packaged in peace. When I became an adult, that changed. Suddenly, and some of you know this, I, I don't know if any other adults feel this, but suddenly, and, and especially because we didn't live near home, and so Christmas break turned into, I mean, I was still a, a teacher, so I still had Christmas break. But suddenly, instead of Christmas break being calm, peaceful and fresh baked cookies it was load up the van 
get the kids, do this, rush, drive. For a while, there's a 12-hour drive. Get back, go to the van. Okay, unpack the van. Get it. Okay, here we go. Merry Christmas. Okay, good. Load the van up. Okay, let's get them back over. Oh, they're asleep. Carry the kids into the bed. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Okay, the, now I get to relax. From, oh, wait, it's almost time. We got to get there. Oh, back up. Okay, now we're going to visit this. Hey, Merry Christmas. Okay, what else we have to And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, time to go back. Get back in the car. Load it all back up, everything. Back home. Then you had the great carry-in when you got home. You know, the great carry-in. You get home, and you're like, where did this junk come from? And again, the kids are asleep, so I'm like, okay, go ahead, carry the kids in, you know, in their beds, and then you're grabbing stuff, and you're loading stuff in, one, two, and I would count sometimes in my head, just for my own sake. Nobody wanted to hear. Nobody was interested in how many trips I took. Twelve trips this time. I've been to the house and back twelve times. And then I would finally get the moment, and I'd think, maybe I can have a moment of peace before, wait a minute, tomorrow I have to go back to work. Anybody else feel that? I have turned into because of that. And I admit, I admit my internal selfish nature of what I'm talking about. I can freely admit it right now before you all. There's a selfish element to this. I get it. I know it. Don't tell me. But I've turned into a Grinch at Christmas. It, no, it's true. I, you know why? Because, because you know what? When I was a child, magically, there'd be a tree and decorations. It would, it would just all show up. Now, I'm taking trips again. Do the shed. Bring the totes. You want this? You want that? Well, we don't even want that. That's the wrong box. Okay, go back here. Go. Oh, man, the Christmas stuff's behind 12 other boxes. You move these all out of the It's It's work, not peace. And so I admit it. I knew it last week when Paul was talking about Advent and looking forward to Christmas and hope. And I'm like, yes. And then, but I'm like, I'm, I, I try to get in the Christmas spirit after Paul preached last week. And so I put on a Christmas t-shirt. I have two Christmas t-shirts. I put on my Christmas t-shirt. And it's a picture of John Calvin, a theologian. And it, he's got a Christmas hat on, though. And the bottom it says, it, or the top it says, Calvinist Santa at the bottom it says, you're all not on the naughty list. That's one of my Christmas. My other one, I wore to school on Friday. We got to wear Christmas t-shirts to school on Friday, jeans and a t-shirt. It's a picture of Santa Claus, and at the bottom it just says, judging you. That's me getting into the Christmas spirit. But then through the middle of all this, I'm studying this week, peace. And I've learned some things. So I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey as I go through. I'm going to start by going through some of my study. Okay? So let me just share with you. I'm going to start by just sharing with you some of my study on peace. What I figured out. We'll get to, there's a key passage. And it wasn't the one I thought it was going to be until at the end of the day, yesterday, everything got flipped on its head. I ask the question, what is peace? I actually think this is a very difficult word to define. When you think about peace, it's kind of a difficult word to define. With it's, it's hard to define peace without using the word peace. But then you think about peace, it's like this multifaceted gem. There's different parts of it. Okay? Let me tell you some things about peace. The, the word peace in the English Standard Version of the Bible shows up 340 times in the English Standard Version of the Bible. The word itself in the Old Testament, shalom, 
means completeness, wholeness. It contains ideas of safety, soundness. Everything's in, it's, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to help you understand it. Some of you are going to get this all right. It, it, not just this idea of a lack of chaos, but everything's where it's supposed to be. I'm going to use a phrase that will ring a bell for some of you. Your ducks are all in a row. Right? It's in, yeah, we're going to get to that. It's in it, right? But that's, that's, we experience some measure of peace when everything's where, it's whole. That's why the word's like that. Everything's where it's supposed to be. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Everybody's acting the way they're supposed to act. And you get it all in there, and you have moments of peace. Now, we all know it's ridiculous, because how quickly does it, how long does that last? All right? Two, two, two seconds. And in fact, you probably, the older you get, you realize that even when you think you got it, you know you probably don't, and so you can't even enjoy it anymore. That phrase, when's the other shoe going to drop? Right? Got it all said? Okay, what's going to happen next? Who's going to die? What car is going to break down? Who's going to be an idiot? What new law is going to be passed? But this idea of peace, it is a multifaceted thing. All these things are part of that in different ways. Health, your health, your, you know, you're, you're doing okay. Not, don't think prosperity like I'm, I'm exploding with money. I mean, don't you just love just having enough? Like, I just love it when I have enough. I got, a, I got enough. I didn't, I, didn't have anything, I didn't come up short. That's wonderful. I experienced a moment of peace. Safety. I don't have any peace when my boys are driving. Because what does your head do? You have any imagination? You ever start imagining all the types of wrecks they could be involved in? Peace can also be with human relationships, but also with God. We know this as Christians. Peace with God. I want to come back to that thought. That's really important for understanding the whole thing. We'll get there. But also peace is opposed to war. Peace is opposed to conflict, not just interpersonally, not just relationships, but overall. The first mention of peace in the Bible, I think, is interesting. It comes in Genesis chapter 15. It's talking about Abraham. And God is talking to Abraham, who at the time is still called Abram. And the first mention, first use of the word peace is this one. As for you, God tells Abraham... As for you, you should go to your fathers in peace. What's he talking about right there? You're going to die. You're going to die in peace, but you're going to die. That's the first mention of it. Well, what's it? What's, I mean, I, I don't mind that. I would like to die in peace. I'd like to go to my father's peace. I'd like to, when I get to that final point, just like everything's good. Okay, good night, guys. See you in the afterlife. See you in heaven. Right? I don't want to die in turmoil. Through Genesis, the use of the word, through Genesis, actually most of the Old Testament is, is held his peace, like somebody held their peace. In other words, what are they doing? Like to hold your peace, like to be quiet sometimes. You, you, is there something you could say? You, no, I'm just going to remain in this moment of no conflict, right? Uh, they held their peace. Um, to, for, it, was, it became a common greeting, go in peace. Or a common, like when you're saying, go in peace. What, what are you saying when you're sound, telling somebody that? And this is, that's a common Jewish phrase in fact when we get to the new testament paul many of his letters greets people and ends with may god's grace and peace be upon you but what are we saying we want when everything so we're praying it's good 
Exodus chapter 20 introduces something called a peace offering. That's a lot smaller than I originally planned it. I don't know why my lettering. I got some big lettering later. A peace offering is interesting. I usually think of a peace offering as I did something stupid. My wife's mad at me. Never happens anymore, babe. She's so patient. The peace. <laughs> See y'all later. I got to go buy some flowers. But that's what a peace offering is, isn't it? You try to smooth things over with a piece. But that's not the Bible's use of a peace offering. That's not what it is. I learned this. I learned this this week. A peace offering is usually not to make peace with God. It's actually, in in fact, in Leviticus chapter 7, uh, verses 11 through 16, it says, when you give a peace offering, here's the reasons why you'll do it. And here's the three that it gives. Um, One is for a thanksgiving. One is for a vow offering. In other words, you completed a vow. So you you set aside, I'm going to do this thing. You did it. Then you give a peace offering, and the third is a free will offering. And I think, from what I learned this week, I think that the, the idea of it being a peace offering is that these are offerings that you've given out of your peace. It had, I'm, I'm grateful to God, and so I, not just these other offerings I do, but this is a peace offering. There's something over and above, because I've recognized God has blessed me with peace, and so I want to give back. And that's the idea of the... The peace offering, not to make peace, but to show gratitude for peace. I did some work in some systematic theology books on peace as well. John Frame defines peace in scripture, and he gives the Hebrew and the Greek word there. And scripture refers mostly to a quality of human life given by God as a blessing of salvation. So it starts to be tied, as you go through scripture, it starts to be tied with specifically God's blessing and connected with his saving grace on a person's life. This is why we see even back in the beginning, there's a blessing that Aaron uh, is taught to give. Moses tells, hey, God wants you this when you're going to bless the people. This is how you bless them. Uh, number 6, 24 through 26 says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Anybody heard this before? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. It was about that time in my study that I started to recognize that much of what draws people here or any other religion, to be honest with you, is a seeking of peace. You think about how many religions even hone in on that one element. Let's, let's, can we all zen out here, right? What, what of many, that's what we want. In fact, I also would say that what's driven many of you to seek godly counsel is because you don't feel like you have any peace, whatever facet it might be. Sometimes it's just inner. I'm at turmoil in here. Sometimes it's out here. I'm in turmoil with these people. I'm in turmoil with those people. If you're in turmoil with everybody, there may be, it may be you, by the way. Um, but you, there's, whatever's going on, it's not whole, complete, you are not at peace. And so you're like, what am I doing wrong? There must be something. And I think all of us intrinsically know, just from my study here, all of us intrinsically know that the one we must turn to is the creator. And this is why I think people, even that don't believe in God, don't believe in Christ, they still, they they look to something higher. There's something to give me peace. There's a weird story in the Old Testament. This one's not important for anything. But I can't help but share it. 
There's one time where God says, I'm going to establish a covenant of peace. And it was with a guy named Phineas, who was Aaron's son. Now, I thought that was interesting. Oh, I'd love to have a covenant of peace with God. Would you like to hear what Phineas did to establish a covenant of peace? Where God says, in fact, he says, therefore, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. Would you like to know what Phineas did? Well, Baal worship had entered into the camp. And specifically, in the course of this, a god began to strike them dead with a plague. At the end, there's 24,000 people that died in the camp. 24,000 people died. God's wrath was being poured out because of their Baal worship. Specifically, there was one guy in the arrogance of his worship was being immoral with a woman. He brought this woman in. Phineas. Okay, just I'm just telling this is what it says. We preach the Bible here. All of its difficult things to understand. You know what Phineas did to stop the plague in there? And then from that, God said, I'm going to have a covenant of peace with him. He took a spear and he impaled the man and the woman both at the same time through the belly. And God says, because of that, I'm going to give you my covenant of peace. I'm not promoting that. But I couldn't help but share it. That's real peaceful, isn't it? You know, I think about that and I think that there's a reality to as they steered away from God, what he did in that moment as he ended, he said, this, we need to stop. And peace did come. The plague ceased. As you go through the rest of the Old Testament, as the children of Israel get into the land, there was a lot of hopes that when they got into the promised land, there would be peace. That'd be part of it. As you know from our study in Joshua, there's not a lot of that, at, the, at least at the beginning. In fact, as we continue on, there's almost none of it because they're constantly battling everybody. Peace became something that they were called as the kingdom began to be established under King David and the rest of the kings all through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and the history of the children of Israel. Peace became not just something that, okay, yeah, we know God, we're, we're not making it happen. I mean, you read those Old Testament books. It, they're not books of peace. Constant conflict. Peace becomes, very much through the Old Testament, a point of prayer. I'm just going to give you one example. There's many. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. When I got to this point in my study, I recognized that I think we're all probably right, like, like we get that. I mean, our world is chaotic. Your individual lives many times are chaotic. Your ducks are not all in a row. People are not all doing what they're supposed to do. Bodies are not all acting the way they're supposed to act. Cells break down, bodies break down. We live incomplete in this lack of peace. And so we pray, Lord, I just want some peace. And sometimes we just say it that way, don't we? I would, I'm going to be honest. I would give, I would love, okay. Thursday, Thursday, my, my job goes process kit. So I get a list. I'll get a list of, of names of students that have been written up. Average this week has been over 100 names a day. I'm supposed to see all those kids, give them a discipline, and say, off with you, and then record it in the computer. Not off with your head. I, I, no. Be gone, right? 
And I, I can be real quick at it. When they come in, what'd you do? Okay, you did that. Okay, let's see how many times you've done that. Oh, you've done that a lot. You're not learning your lesson, so let's do this. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, I suspended 12, 17 kids on Monday, 14 kids on Tuesday, uh, 11 kids on Wednesday. I don't remember. I lost count on Thursday. I've got a pile of them that are on Friday. I mean, I'm, I'm, you're out, you're out, you're out, you're out, left and right. But it takes time to process all this. Thursday, I made the mistake of saying, I just had, like, because the phone is ring too. Dean's office, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, we'll send a home monitor. Okay, go, all right, well, we got this, go, okay, yeah, okay. Parent call, what'd you do this to my kid? I don't, because they're idiots, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, you know, yeah, uh, okay, try, try, what'd you do? Okay, what'd you do? Kid come in, okay, sign a witness statement and get out of here. You know, it's like, just trying to get, and then I got this stack of papers. Each kid that comes in, I get have this little pad that I, I write down what I've done so that I can get into the computer so that I know it's been taken care of. Right? And then the teacher knows it's been taken care of. And if I assign them to something, that's all notated in the right places so that they actually serve the things that I did. And I said, in my head, I just need a moment of peace to get caught up. And then I said it out loud to my, my, my coworker that is like the dean's assistant. I said, I said man, I, I, I just need, don't send any more kids in just yet. But I just need to get caught up. I just need, and then I said, man. We actually have a moment here. I'm going to try to get caught up. It seems peaceful. 30 seconds later, kid comes in. There's a fight right outside in the hall. Yeah. Bear hugged him. I wanted, but what did I want? I wanted a moment of peace. Just a moment of peace. Get caught up. And we recognize that ultimately, and the older you get, the more you realize those moments aren't really what we want. We really want something that lasts and something that's permanent. And we also want something that might be a little bit indestructible, that can't be thrown off. Like, we, you, you get old enough, you know that while we're here, see, there's some things. See, where I was going with this, I was going to talk about some things, what's going to come. Like, we know that this ultimate peace is coming. And we, we know we're going to have to wait for that. But, but man, just like some of it here. I'd like to experience some of it here. If not out there, like right here, I just at least want to have, I'd just like to have it in my pockets and in my, up here in my heart and just have some peace. We're also commanded through the Old Testament not just to pray for it, but to seek it. We're attempting to do it. And so they understood this through the Old Testament. They began to realize not just of themselves, but also because of what God began to reveal to them, that there was going to be, they're never really going to do it. Somebody else was going to do that. Somebody else was going to come. A great king. Not just King David, but somebody like King David from his line, but the, the king will come. The king. You get this feeling of that Christmas for them from prophecies in the Old Testament. Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This is what Christ, these are names of Christ. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So his peace is going to, once it starts, and he's on the throne, it's going to go, you just expand out into everything. That's. And so they knew he was coming. 
And they look forward to it. This Messiah, he's going to come, he's going to bring peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I mean, all those things. I mean, just read those things. You think, that's exactly what I want right now today. In a real way in this world. Righteousness, justice, established by the king, the son of David, to last forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We know it's coming. And then we get through the story of the Bible to when he arrives. And you hear these hopes of peace in every little bit of when he shows up. Now we've been studying Luke. Luke 179. This is coming from John the Baptist's dad. Prophesying about his son. John was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And what the Messiah is going to do, he says, to give light. He ends his little prophecy to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadows of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I think many of you come to Christ for these things. This is why you come. This is why you want it. I mean, if you think about it, I could be wrong. But if you think about it, I think that you would agree that ultimately what has driven many of you to to open your Bibles or to come to church or to seek after who God is or to learn about him is what you really want is that. Your life is chaos and you want the king to come and establish his peace in your life. We get the classic Christian or Christmas announcement from those angels. You probably know this one. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Right? Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. That's what we, we say it that way. But glory to God and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Simeon, one of the first people that meets baby Jesus in Jerusalem, says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. And so it's still this connection between God's salvation and this, this one is bringing us peace. And I can go in peace because the peace has arrived. Luke seven fifty. I don't think I have this one up there, but you see I've got a couple examples of times where Jesus then in the early parts of his ministry will say to someone, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Your faith has healed you, go in peace. And then like we learned with the storm, uh, Luke doesn't record these words, but the other gospels record these words that when Jesus rebuked the storm, what did he say? Peace. Hugely important concept for them. They saw the sea as chaos. I kind of agree. I've never been out on the open sea. I've definitely never been out on the open sea in a storm. But I can imagine the fear. Israelites were not a seafaring people. So all through their literature, if they want to describe something as chaos, it's the sea. And you see the sea play through all the stories of scripture in connection with chaos. And so then you get to the very end, and you know what you get to see? There's a place in Revelation where God says, in that place, there will be no more sea. Do you think he's talking about geography? I don't. What's he talking about? There's no more chaos in that place. This is sounding really good, isn't it? Don't you want to be there? Some of our ministry is to bring that peace. 
as he begins to send his disciples out. I think this is a fascinating little thing we're going to get into when we get to Luke chapter 10. I'm not clicking all the time. It's not working. Whatever house you enter, he tells the disciples first, say, peace be to this house. He's bringing some peace with me. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. We're going to get to this. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to figuring out what, what's he talking about there. Some of this peace and the son of peace. And we're going to bring some peace and it'll be there. But if not, it'll come back to me. What, what's that talking about? But I think that the disciples, like us, get a little bit confused. So we see this multifaceted peace thing. Now, I don't know about you, but I usually see the problems with my peace. I usually see the problems as that guy. Or that guy. Like, something out of my control. Some of you go, some of you are even thinking names right now. Don't lie. I'd have peace if it wasn't for, don't say it. I'd have peace. This guy's ruining my peace. I turn on the news, my peace is gone. Because all these idiots doing all these idiotic things. <laughs> but but, but, but now, now think about it. So, so one of the things that we see, and so when we, sometimes when we pray for God's peace, what we're really praying for is God to do, bring peace hit the, the way we think it needs to happen. That's precisely what we're going to see as we study Luke. That's precisely where the disciples are confused. Because they know he's coming. He is the Prince of Peace. And they start to recognize it. You're the Messiah. You're the one. Why are the Romans still here? I thought you were bringing peace. He has to finally say it to them. I think this is Jesus' way of saying, you keep using that word, I don't think it means what you think it means. You think that I have come to give peace on earth? That, what you're talking about? No. Is that what you thought? No. I'm going to bring division. If you thought peace was that, you're wrong. So I think, as we continue on to this delving into something, I think we may need to consider if we're just like the disciples, and maybe what we think God ought to do may not be what he's doing. Does that mean we live without peace? No. I've already talked a little bit about, I think I have a blank slide now. Um, I was ready at this point in my study to jump into what I thought of in my head as the mechanics of how, how does God actually bring about peace. So I'm going to share with you the scripture I almost preached on. I'm not going to preach on it. Now, I'm not going to preach on it because I think that when you hear it, you'll go, I get that. In fact, I'm gonna, I got a statement for the end. So let me just share with you because I think most of you know that to get this peace, it's, it's got to come from him. Most of us know that getting your ducks in a row doesn't really bring peace. I mean, you still like it, but it doesn't work, does it? Are there not other things that we do to try to bring peace? Little mirages of peace? Isn't that not what drives many people to drugs? Isn't that not what drives many people to drink? Is a version of peace, a mirage of peace. I just want to experience some peace. It's a mirage. And you know it. They know it. We know it. We all know it. But let's abandon those ways. And let's go back. To, but I think you know this. I think you know this. So this is, I was going to preach on this, but I think you know this. Let's look at Ephesians. It's going to talk about peace. 
says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We know, I hope you know, that part of the problem is that back in the garden, when they rebelled against God and committed treason, we became enemies of God. Peace broken. We were born like that. Sinners in nature. At enmity, it says in some places, with God. Remember, remember that. You were separated from Christ. You weren't, you weren't in complete unison with Christ. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. In what way? What, what's he done at the cross? He, he took the penalty of our sin and established us back in a relationship with God. Destroying this war, bringing peace. He's that peace. Now, this passage from Ephesians, I preached on this way back. I think I actually have it online. You can go back and, and look at these passages here. But he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down. I mean, think about all these things. Broken down the hostility right here. This right here, primarily. Broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Which we were talking about today, all these commandments. No longer are we trying to bridge this gap by doing good. Anybody been good enough? What we're talking about today, doesn't some of those commands when you think about what they really mean what does christ do he's creating himself one new man in place of the two so not divided but one he might reconcile us both to god in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility and he came this jesus he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now, let me tell you why I'm not preaching on this one. I think that most of you, at least on some level, know this already. And the problem is, I want that to be here. I want that peace to be here. I'm tired of waiting. Some of you are like little children. Now, with peace, now that sounds great. In fact, I would say that probably most of you to some degree understand, and that's why you came into the building, that's why you come to church, that's why you read your Bibles, is because you believe that God establishes peace through Christ, and you put all of your trust in that. But there's still something missing because you're still sitting there going, I feel miserable a lot of the time. So Matt, that sounds great, and I believe it. But I'm not feeling it. I feel like I'm still in this world of chaos. And this is, again, what brings many people to come for biblical counseling. Because they want to go. I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still miserable. Frustrated. How many of you, like, day, day after day, you, if you were to be honest, you'd say at least 30% of your day, you're just frustrated with the world. Stupid world. I'm so sick of it. Or people, maybe one person, or your circumstances. Or maybe you're going along just fine. You're living in the mirage of peace. You know, you know what else happened Thursday? So my son left his car with me because there's a hole in the floorboard that's this big. 
Yikes. Yeah. I'm like, I'm glad he hasn't died yet. Um, the muffler is also loose. So I go to the care muffler. And how much would it fix? And I know there's just a hole in the pipe that connects. And actually, the place where the hole is, there's like a flexible piece right there to keep it from rattling. But the, the hole's right up there. I'm like, oh, surely it wouldn't cost too much to fix that. How much would it cost? 250 bucks. The car's not worth 250 bucks. Like, oh, that's okay. That's okay, Lord. I'm driving this car, loud, you know. You know, you can hear all the sound coming up through because the only thing between me and the ground on that side is a piece of carpet. You can't hear, I mean, you can't, I can't hear anything. You know, I'm driving. I'm like, well, I guess I might as well head home. I was trying to think of some different options, maybe a way I could jimmy rig this thing together and, and fix it. I'm driving down Vermilion Street right next to the library, and all of a sudden I hear, right? Had a mirage, a moment of peace, and then the car fell apart. It was no longer hold, and chaos entered my life. Fortunately, I was right next to the, li the library, pulled in the library parking lot, and I was like, I mean, I, if you knew me from years gone by, you wouldn't believe how many times I've done similar things. One time it happened on my van, and I just was so sick of it, I crawled underneath the van and just took the whole muffler and just bent it back and forth until it came off, and I threw it in the back. I'm sick of this. I've pulled mo more mufflers off the back of cars than I've had cars. Figure that one out. Oh, man. You gotta go into the library, get a hanger, make it home didn't have peace and, when, and really the turmoil I felt now I, I will say it wasn't like it's been in the past I'm growing I'm growing in the Lord just a little bit but I came across a passage that I think is going to land right where you need this peace it comes in Philippians Philippians is going through, he gets to chapter 3, he starts chapter 4, and he's really, Paul is really kind of closing up, and I'm going to call this, I'm going to talk about this, this is the means of peace. Now let me explain what I be, mean by the means of peace. Uh, I don't want you to think about what I'm going to say as like a formula. If I do this, this, and this, God gives peace. That's not how it works. Okay? It's a means. This, when we do communion, this is called traditionally a means of grace. It doesn't mean I can't control what God, I, I don't push all of his right buttons and get what I want. That's not how it works. But you put yourself in a position to receive what he's offering. The means of grace. He gets to the end and he starts, when you're reading Philippians, he gets to this verse and it almost sounds like the way he usually closes a letter. And he throws this in, right? I entreat, and I have no idea how to pronounce these two ladies' names, Yodia and Sinteki. I entreat them to agree in the Lord. Okay. Two ladies. They're having an issue. There's no peace. I encourage them, just agree in the Lord. Right? So there's whatever that, I don't know, I don't know what it was. I urge them. So he throws this in there. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have uh, labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And he almost, but I, I think that Paul, as he's going this letter, that, that, that lack of peace spurred him into a whole nother chapter, what we would call another chapter. He suddenly jumps into something that is a phrase that many of you have probably said and wished and wanted. But I want you to listen carefully how it comes about. The first one he says is this. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, command, do it. Rejoice. So, as a means of peace, okay, and I'll get why I think this is a means of peace in just a minute. Let's just go through these things he says to do. First one he says here, he launches back into some more teaching. Rejoice. Means of peace, number one. Rejoice in the Lord. What's that look like? I'm not sentenced to hell. I'm restored to God. He loves me. Sent his son to die on a cross for me. Man, that's amazing. Rejoice. Rejoice in that. Just whatever else is going on in your life, start right there. Sometimes it's good to start your day that way. Get up, wake up in the morning, thank God. I'm not going to die and go to hell. If my heart doesn't beat the rest of the beats through the day and I end up in the grave, I'm, I've been rescued. And it wasn't depending on me. Christ did it all. Praise God. Start there. Rejoice in the Lord. He loves me. Christ died for me. Say it in your mind and out loud to others. Be, be that person. Right? Be that person. Be that person who's like, how you doing? Man, I'm saved by grace. Or I'm blessed. Right? Be that person. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say do it all the time. Rejoice. Number two. Verse 5a. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I know some of you are not reasonable at all, so it's going to be difficult. Reasonableness, usually in the Bible, is used as opposed to being harsh. Sometimes it translates as gentleness. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Gentleness, considerate, not harsh. Got to be oozing some, some peaceful attitudes. When I was trying to think about how to describe this in a short little statement, this is the best I could come up with. Don't be a poor... Some of you are so prickly. You're just harsh to be around. It's like, you may not know it, but if you walk in a room and people go, oh, okay, you might, be, this, you might need to hear something here. Some of you are harsh to be around. Don't be that person. Don't be that way. Let your gentleness, your reasonableness, your this kindness and compassion be, be known by how you live. Rejoice in the Lord all the time. Well, the pastor in me started creeping up. And I said, well, rejoice in the Lord. Don't be, let's change that to a P. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't be a porcupine. That way you can remember it. Praise the Lord. Don't be a porcupine. Okay? Next verse. This is going to be point 3A. The third step is broken into two parts. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. I think the Lord is at hand goes with this, not with the previous. The Lord is at hand, so don't be anxious. If you know the Lord is at hand, that's how, you, that's how you don't be anxious. I don't have time today to really delve into the don't be anxious, but understand if it says to do it, that means you can do it, okay? I can't help it. Yes, you can, because God says to do it. So if he's... If you need help figuring out how to get to that place, there's all kinds of scriptures to talk about that. But there's a little hint right here. The Lord is in. If you believe the Lord was at hand, would you actually be anxious? No. If you believe he was right there next to you, what would you be worried about? 
the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. Some of you know, don't know this. There's children here that don't know who this person is. But those of you that are older, you do. There's a movie, a Disney movie. I don't normally promote Disney movies. But there was a Disney movie back, back a long time ago. I watched it multiple times. I don't know why. It's called Pollyanna. Who, who in this room remembers Pollyanna? One of the things that Pollyanna did was no matter what happened, she looked on the bright possibilities, right? And so it became a phrase. Somebody that's like that is a Pollyanna. And that fit real well with my pastoral attempts to have things start with the letter P. Praise the Lord, don't be a porcupine, be a Pollyanna. Now the problem with being a Pollyanna, and this is why that's point 3A, the problem with being a Pollyanna is because it feels, especially when you're talking to me, a little naive. So listen to the rest of that verse. Oh, I wanted to put it all in one statement, I forgot. For memory's sake, I want you to memorize this. Praise the Lord, not as a porcupine, but as a Pollyanna. Okay? So we're, we're starting with the means of grace. Praise the Lord, not as a porcupine, but as a Pollyanna. Can you say that with me? Praise the Lord, not as a porcupine, but as a Pollyanna. Okay, that's pretty good. You guys did not sound like Pollyanna at all when you did it, but that's okay. The rest of that verse says this. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. The word that's translated supplication can also be translated prayer. That, but it's focusing on the petition. So by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So the supplication is the petitions to God element, but with gratitude. So someone that's a true Bible-thinking Pollyanna isn't someone that's like, oh, well. They're like, Lord, this is in your hands. I'm, th- this is, when we heard the news about Steve Simpkins, I immediately jumped to anxiety because I thought, because my dad said, he's hoping to make it till he gets to the hospital. Well, how long has he got to wait? December 13th. And now it took me a second, but then I was like, wait a minute, December the 13th? That's like, that's like no time. He's worried that he's going to make it till then. And I'm, I'm like, oh, Lord. And I jumped to anxiety, but, but what did I do? I didn't just go, well, whatever. What did we do? To be a Pollyanna, Lord, we're, we're grateful. This Thanksgiving element's got to play into it. We're thankful. We're grateful, God, for whatever you've done. And so in those moments when those things happen, instead of jumping to anxiety, what do we do? We go, Lord, we're grateful, we're thankful, Lord, whatever, we know that you're in control, and we, we praise you for it. Our petition, Lord, is that you would keep Steve Simpkins alive. But Lord, we're grateful that your hand, we're grateful that this is not uh, random, that it's not going to be by luck that he makes it, but it'll be by your good hand if he makes it. And that means if he does not, God, that is also within your good hand and your good plan. And so, Lord, we, we praise you. Here's our petition, but we're grateful for whatever you do. Praise the Lord. Don't be a porcupine. Be a Pollyanna. Pray. That's not easy to memorize. Let's try it this way. Praise the Lord. Not as a porcupine, but as a prayer package, Pollyanna. What do you think? Praise the Lord. Not as a porcupine, but as a prayer package, Pollyanna. A Pollyanna that's just wrapped up in prayer. You're saying these Nice Pollyanna type things. Why? Because you're an idiot? No, because you're like, God's in control and I'm thankful for everything he does. And let some of it come out because that could turn into praise too. This is one big thing. Praise the Lord, not as a porcupine, but as a prayer package Pollyanna. 
Say that five times real fast. No. <laughs> Daffy Duck. There you go. No, I don't think I could do it. We'll get, we'll get him to do that. Wow. But now listen to what all that said. Now those verses, that's what they're saying to do. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then there's, there's a, and then this will happen. Listen to what it says. Rejoice the Lord. Right? These things said, praise the Lord. Don't be a porcupine. Don't be hard to let your reasonableness be known to all. And what? The peace of God. Now, see, you've probably heard this verse before, but you never really put the time in to think about where that came from. You're doing this. What's going to happen? Remember, this is a means. This is like saying when you do those things, you're just like it's kind of it's kind of like this. I've said all kinds of nice things about my mom. This is also nice. Don't worry, mom. But if I wanted the cookies, I didn't decide when and where the cookies would be delivered. I had to put myself, do you want cookies? Yeah. She'd say, well, come in. Now, let me ask you, you've met my mom. She's sweet. Do you think if I would have said, no, you come to me, if I would have gotten any cookies? Absolutely not. In fact, they might have just gone in the trash, or she would have given all of my said, you're not getting any cookies now at all. But, but what happens when I, hear, when I hear what she says, come here, and I go, I put myself into a position to receive the cookies. This is the cookie-receiving spot. That's not the cookie-receiving spot. This is. Some of you, you go, why well, don't I have any peace? You, you refuse to put yourself in the peace-receiving spot. That's the peace-receiving spot. People that are rejoicing in the Lord. People that aren't being harsh with everybody around them. People that are just praising God and thanking and, and they're not being anxious because they're like, I know the Lord is at hand. And they're just, whatever, Lord, you're going to do. But I praise you for it. Here's my request, but God, I'm thankful for whatever you do. People that are standing there, and I think that you know it's true because people, and here's the problem. People that are like that, you know what we usually think when we see people that are look, look, looking like that? You know what we usually think? We think that's a result of the peace of God. And I'm telling you right now, the text doesn't say it's a result. The text says you get there, and then you get the peace. And so maybe the reason why you're not experiencing peace is because you're not getting in the peace place. <laughs> to participate in peace. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. Don't be a porcupine, be a Pollyanna. Pray, and you'll get the peace that passes all understanding. You need to put that together. Praise the Lord, not as a porcupine, but as a prayer package, Pollyanna. And you will live as the bubble boy of peace. <laughs> Isn't that what it said? Guard, it, the peace of God will guard your heart. I mean, you're, you're in, you will experience life in the bubble of peace. You ever, you know, Bubble Boy, some of you watched, you know, bu they're protected. The outside world is, and that's what you can be, and you see those people that seem like that, they seem like no matter what happens, they're like, it's okay, praise the Lord, I'm just, you know, you know why they're living in the Bubble Boy of Peace, they're, they're the Bubble Person of Peace, maybe I should have changed it, the Bubble Person of Peace. The Bubble Person of Peace, you know why they're experiencing life that way and it seems like nothing gets in? 
It's not because God gave them that and then they're able to do all those things. It's because they've been doing all those things. They're in the place of peace and they've been packaged up in peace. And I almost missed this, but there's actually another verse after this. It's going to give you a few more things to do. I'm sorry, I know I'm going long. I apologize. But you'll love the last sentence when I get it all out. (laughs) And I expect you all to memorize it. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any worthy, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Limit your thoughts. Limit what you, you, you're not a victim to what's going on up here. You got all kinds of random things popping in your head. Like when I'm sitting there and I'm like, my kids are driving home. And I start going, they could die. They could, the, the car could wreck. They could be wrecked right now. I can't get in. He's not answering. He could be dead right now. I'm pr- he's probably on the side of the road, and the, he's been impaled by stuff that fell off a truck. That's, and I start going down that, that and I, I'm doing that. <laughs> At any point, I can go, no, 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 no. God, I'm going to think about what is, and this is where that, that Pollyanna part, that doesn't mean I'm sitting there going, he's, I'm sure he's totally fine. He's going to make it. I, what, you know what I'm doing instead? I'm going, God, whatever happens, it will be in your good grace, and I will make it through because, God, you are good. It, it's not stupid. Kids get in cars and die. That happens. We're, we're not to be idiots. We're to be people that say, uh, what is true? God is good all the time. Nothing happens outside of his hand. That's just aggressively. Think about things that are praiseworthy follow along with peace ponder whatever's going on up in your head the things that are praiseworthy that all that other junk that's ramming around up there you don't have to deal with that kick it out no lord you're good kick it out i don't know true and honest and just if you don't know it's true don't even think about it anyway the moment it becomes true god will be there for you that's also true so don't just sit there and wallow in your imagined futures that you're coming up with. You're creating all kinds of little universes and you're experiencing all the trials that are coming down at you just completely on your own without God. And you're, you're leaving him out of it. He didn't create that universe, you did. And you're just living in it. Don't have to do that. Don't ponder what is, pra- what is praiseworthy. In this world I'm in right now, this is what I know is true. And I know that if this thing does happen, I don't have to think about it, but if it does, I know that God is good. Verse 9. He says this one then. What you have learned and received and heard and seen. So four things. Learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. What you learned, what you received, what you heard, what you've seen in me. So Paul's talking about himself. Do, just practice that stuff. Just start, just be a Christian. Just start doing all those things that you know you're supposed to do. Just, just start doing it. Yeah, but my life is good. Just do it. Just start doing it. Just start trying to be a Christian. The, the preaching and the preacher. I, I hate these things because that puts me, put the spotlight on myself. I don't like it. But I ought to be holding it. The moment I'm not able to say, Observe my way of life. I, I want to I be an open book to you and how I'm living. I'm trying to set an example for you. The moment I can't do that is the moment I should stop being a preacher. 
Some preachers don't get that. Practice the preaching of the preacher. We, we want that to be this way here. Practice these things, and then there it is again. And what's going to happen? What's, what, when you practice these things, where do you put yourself? You put yourself in the place to receive peace. But notice this time, it's not just that the, the peace that passes understanding will wrap around you. Notice, look what it says here. And the God of peace will be with you. He's going to be with you. As I mentioned a moment ago, we get this in reverse order, don't we? I'll start praising, and I'll start praying, and I'll start trusting, and I'll start thinking about the right stuff, and I'll start doing this. I'm just waiting for God to give me peace. And then I'll do it. But if you read this text, you've gotten it backwards. You do these things. Put yourself into a position to receive God's peace. I feel like this is very important to remember. Ponder the praise word. Practice the preaching of the preacher. And the God of peace will be present. Can we get it in one sentence? Can we get this in one sentence to remember, to memor, easily memorizable? I can't even say the word. You've got to memorize this, right? If you praise the Lord, not as a porcupine, but as a prayer package, Pollyanna. And if you ponder the praiseworthy while practicing the preaching and the preacher, then the God of peace will be present in your prayer package, Pollyanna peace bubble. <laughs> I expect you all to have that memorized by next week. And be glad that I'm not the one that was writing catechisms several hundred years ago. <laughs> like, perfect. Pray, if you praise the Lord, not as a porcupine, don't stop being harsh, but as a prayer package Pollyanna. Sometimes like just wraps, like you're praying about things all the time. Prayer package Pollyanna. If, you, if you're pondering things that are praiseworthy while practicing, like what am I going to do in my lifetime? I'm going to do this practice. I'm going to practice. I learned this at church last week, and that's what the preacher said. But then I, I've seen him do some of those things. I'm going to practice the, the preaching of the preacher. Then you're going to get the God of peace will be present. In your prayer package, Pollyanna Peace Bubble. What good would a prayer package, Pollyanna Peace Bubble, be without the God of Peace being there Himself? And I know I've gone long again. I apologize. I'm going to take a moment here. We have communion. Communion, as I mentioned earlier, is a means of grace. When you participate in this, what, what you're doing, is this magic bread? It's not. It may taste like, because my mommy made it, it tastes wonderful. My favorite communion bread on the planet. Is it magic bread? No. Is, is this magic grape juice? No. Does it, is this like, if I do this, I automatically am going to get grace? No, that's not how, that's not how it works. But it. But when you participate in this, when you, take, when you partake in your humility, you say, Lord, I, I want to take you into me. I know that your broken body, your shed blood is, is, is everything to me. And I, want, I just want to eat it, take it into myself. I want to survive on this. And when you, when you do that, you know what you're doing? You're putting yourself into a position 
for God's grace. And all these things, praising the Lord, not being the porcupine, right? Pondering on the praiseworthy, all, all these things, you are going to need God's grace to do that. Because if this is true, then you do these things before you get the peace. And that's hard, isn't it? And that's why many of us have given up. So we're going to come together. I'm going to say, Lord, we just want to partake in what you've done. You died on the cross for our sin. And I'm going to tell you, if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you put all of your eggs in the Jesus bag, you say, I'm banking everything on him. And I've heard now what, what this text says, and so I want, I want to start doing those things. I, I don't have peace. Every once in a while I get glimmers of it, but they're all mirages. They pass so quickly. I want something, I want a peace that passes understanding. I want a, the God of peace to be with me. That sounds amazing. I want to be there. And if this is true, I'm going to have to be living in these things. And to do those things before I get the peace is, is challenging. So if you're a Christian and you're sitting here today, you're like, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm saved by the grace of God alone. Then I want to encourage you in just a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to come over. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and come over here. I'm going to encourage you. Um, do I have, are you going to play the piano for me? Could you? I can't do it. Um, I'm going to pray God's blessing on these things. After I'm done praying and he starts playing the piano, I'd like you to, of your own accord, when you're ready, pop on up here. Um, in this, we've got our double cups, right? For those of you that are new, we've got the double cups. We've got the juice and the bread. Okay? I want you to come on up, grab one and take it back to your seat and just hold on to it. I want to encourage you in those moments to say, just have, a have, some, have some time with God and say, Lord, I'm partaking of this. I want to put myself in a position for peace. Lord, help me this week to start doing those things. And when I fail, help me to just get right back up and do it again. Try again, try again, try again. Lord, I want to put myself, I'm tired of living without your peace. I want a peace that passes understanding. And so take a moment. And while you're holding that bread and that cup, I want you to just be thinking, Lord, your body... Your blood was shed. To, to make this possible. See, this wouldn't be, none of this would be possible if Christ hadn't solved that problem that you all knew about from Ephesians. He destroyed the hostility between God and us. That's settled. Our problem is here. That's where we're struggling. And so I want you to encourage you to just be praying that. And then after a few minutes, once I think everybody's come up and got something, I'm going to lead you through the rest of the communion process. Okay, so let me pray first. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this bread. I thank you for this cup. Lord, I pray now, Lord, for your blessing on this bread and on this cup. Lord, I would ask that you would bless each person that comes up here and grabs this and takes this with them. Lord, I would ask your blessing on them as well, that you would distribute grace to them. Lord, I pray that you be with those as they go through this week, Lord, that have, have put themselves in this position. This, this is a first step of trying to put themselves in a position of being a recipient of your grace and your peace. Lord God, my prayer is that you would bless them this week as they begin to take those baby steps into doing these things. God, that you begin to give them glimmers of what that peace, the experience of 
peace that passes understanding. Lord, that you would give them tastes of it to encourage them to, to continue on. Lord, don't let them be stuck on needing that before they can do what you call. But Lord, I pray as they, as they do those things that you would bless them, Lord, with, with tastes of an eternal peace. A peace that we know one day there will be no more sea. There will be no more chaos. It will come to complete fruition. But while we're here, Lord, we want to taste that as much as we can. In your name I pray.